Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of your Next Generation Hotel podcast, brought to you by me, Joseph Hollingworth, and today our guest, Robert Richardson, FIH, General Manager of the Grand Folkestone, a boutique hotel's young trailblazer, Hospitality Manager of the Year 2019, and winner of the Institute of Hospitality's Special Achievement Award 2018. He's also led the Grand in achieving no less than 15 different awards during his tenure there. Robert, it's a pleasure to have you on today, and I must say that's an amazing set of awards to complement both your work and the hotel's achievements. Uh, so thank you very much for coming on. Oh, well, well that's, uh, that's an introduction. Thank you very much. I hope I, um, I, hope I live up to it. So but, uh, thank you very much for inviting me on today. And no problem at all. It's a pleasure to talk to somebody with your expertise and your sort of hands-on knowledge of the industry. And so just before we get into the guts of the episode, would you be all right to tell us a bit about yourself and your background in the hospitality industry in general? Absolutely, yeah. Well, my name's uh, Robert Richardson and I'm General Manager of the Grade 2 listed The Grand, which is down in Kent. Um, we're a boutique four-star independent business. We sit on the cliffs overlooking the English Channel. Our biggest claim to fame is Agatha Christie wrote Murder on the Orient Express here, which I am incredibly proud of. Um, I'm also a fellow of the Institute of Hospitality and I'm a member of their Board of Trustees. Wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. And so how, how did you sort of first get into the hospitality industry then? Well, I'm, I'm actually, I'm very proud to say I fell into it. And when I left school, I didn't have any particular direction. I didn't know what I wanted to do or what career path I wanted to go down. And I started applying for jobs. And at that age, I had no real experience. I had no experience of, a, of the working world outside of two weeks school enforced uh, work experience and I really genuinely didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, my first response to any of the job applications I'd made was from a hotel general manager in a 68 bedroom hotel with one bar, one restaurant mm -hmm. and one incredibly small function room. I was invited uh, to my first interview and I had no experience of interviews. I didn't know what an interview consisted of, didn't own a suit. So I trucked up there to this hotel and I remember walking in and thinking this is the biggest place I've seen in my life and although I digress I've been back to that hotel in the years since and it's the smallest uh, hotel I've ever worked in. <laughs> now the general manager came out and this was a hulking huge guy which intimidated me even further and he sat down with me asked me what I knew about the business and I said I don't, unfortunately. Asked me what I knew about hotels. And at this point in my life, I'd stayed in one once and that was it. Mm -hmm. And he asked me why I wanted this as a job. So I openly and honestly said, I'm just looking for a job. And he said, okay, and this was the killer question. If I give you a job, what's the benefit to our business? So I turned around and I said, openly and honestly, there isn't one. There's no benefit to hiring me whatsoever. But if you do, I'll earn it. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to give you a job for three months. And if you're still here in three months and one day's time, you have earned it. And that was uh, a lot longer ago than three months. So <laughs> I was very, very pleased to get it. And although I'm very proud that I fell into the industry, my, my history, my entry to our hospitality industry has had such a profound effect on me. It's driven me to introduce people to hospitality as a career. And something I do and something I'm very proud of um, under the banner of inspiring hospitality talent is taking school leavers, such as I would have been back then, uh, people with hidden and visible disabilities and people from challenging backgrounds and showcasing what we have to offer. So by way of example, 
in January of this year, we took 24 uh, school-aged pupils up to London. We gave them an uh, all-areas tour of the Savoy. We then took them to the wonderful Strand Palace, where they had speed, net, uh, speed networking with a lot of incredible business leaders from the breadth of our industry. So we had hoteliers, we had restaurateurs, we had food photographers, we had social media strategists, and we showed them what an eclectic uh, industry we have. And that was profound for these guys and girls. And they, um, a good group of them actually secured work experience off the back of it. So this is something um, parallel to my role at the ground I do enjoy doing. Now, in um, December of 2019, I had a knock at my office door and I opened it and it was a young lady who is called Alicia and joined our business uh, in November. And she said to me that she just wanted to come and see me and tell me that two years ago, she was part of a group of school students I'd invited to the Grand. And when I invited them, we gave them breakfast. We gave them a tour back in front of house. We gave them speed networking with our um, management team. And then we gave them a mocktail masterclass. And she said, the reason I'm here is to say, when I left that day, I told my friends, my family, absolutely anyone that would listen, that this is the place I wanted to work. And two years later, I do. Now, that gave me a bit of a high, but my favourite moment happened just two months after that in the early part of this year, mm -hmm. whereby in National Apprenticeship Week, we had um, our training provider, Hit Training, invite us to join them at the Hospitality Apprenticeship Expo in the House of Commons. Mm -hmm. And I, unfortunately, due to a work meeting, had to come up a bit later. And as I walked in, I saw this young lady, Alicia, addressing 250 MPs, VIPs, employers, apprenticeship trainers, and telling her that story. And to this day, this was one of the greatest moments, because at that moment, I just thought, we have absolutely got this right. Rose, that's absolutely awesome. I remember a few weeks ago, I saw the statistic that only somewhere between 2 and 4% of people go into hospitality for the career. And the fact you're able to yeah. offer this, not only to, in general, but offer specifically to kids like that, I think that's absolutely fantastic. So I can't applaud you enough for that, for that work there. Thank you. So just before we dive into sort of the main content today, what, what led you to go down sort of the, the GM role? Why not into like a finance role? Like what, what, sort of, what sort of drove you to that position? Well, up until a few years ago, my area of, of um, the hotel industry was food and beverage. Mm -hmm. So I was a bar supervisor, conference and banqueting manager, food and beverage manager. And I think it's fair to say I wasn't doing particularly badly. When I worked for Intercontinental Hotels, our overall satisfaction um, results were always in the top three and we were rural Kent and we were competing with properties such as the Kensington Forum which is a 904 bedroom hotel and the general manager at the time challenged me and he said if you maintain the results in your department I'm going to start developing you in other areas so I was spending time with housekeeping with rooms revenue finance control and I was learning the, the wider aspect of um, hotels as an operation and I'm forever grateful for that because that opened my eyes to the fact there was more out there than just the area of hospitality that I call my own. That's really really cool and is that, I think that's a great uh, insight from your general manager there and from yourself to be able to take on that responsibility and grow from there really really inspiring story then given sort of your your expertise and sort of the way you have very much grown within the industry i'd really like to dive sort of into a bit of detail about hotel management today particularly around yep. sort of crises and emergency measures and given that i guess we have to start with the current situation it's not avoidable so sort of just to start off with so how how have you dealt with the closures sort of over the last two months and how are you looking to bounce back and maybe 
project yourself uh, against future possible pandemics <coughs> and stuff like that? Well, I think, let's be open and honest, first and foremost, we are a resilient industry. We've always operated in an unpredictable, complex world. We've had Brexit, we've had talent short uh, shortages, we've had the government's planned immigration policy, which I think is like burning the lifeboats to save the ship. We've always had a situation whereby as operators or employers, we've not been able to predict with certainty what will happen next. COVID-19 has just proven that there's nothing certain but uncertainty. Now, there's never been a time like this, and I don't think there's been a prescriptive guide for how you can manage the situation, but what there has been is a great deal of coming together and doing the very best you can. For us, in the lead up to the close down on the 20th of March, we were noticing people were less keen to go out, people were isolating, they were avoiding large crowds, and that had the knock-on effect to advanced bookings, daily trades, just people coming in for a coffee all taking a dive off the cliff essentially that had the result of making things quite challenging quite quickly advanced purchase were basically gone bookings were being cancelled left right and center we reacted by closing down certain sections of the business to save on cost we then looked to increase home working for team members that were able to do so and i think we were proactive enough that it gave us the opportunity to retain 100 percent of our team including casual banks of staff and that's something that i'm really proud of quote that uh, I quite like, I actually wrote this down, I'll read this out, is train your mind to see the good in everything. Positivity is a choice and your contentment depends on the quality of your thoughts. And I think you might make the argument that that's an odd thing to say right now, but I think to me it means communication and positivity are key. Mm -hmm. So throughout this incredibly challenging time, we've communicated with our team, we've communicated with our service providers, our clients, and we've highlighted positivity of the situation. Yes, this is a difficult situation, but we are still together and we are going to get through this. I love that attitude and I have massive respect for the fact that you approached your, the way you approach your staff layoffs. I hear a lot of stuff on LinkedIn recently about hotel managers saying, if you're talking about how your staff focus and this sort of stuff, and you've laid off 20% of your staff, well then I, I don't believe you anymore. And so massive respect for, for doing that work there. And I, I completely agree with this. We have to, although it, although it is a tough position, we have to look for the brighter side. We have to look how we can move forward. So Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Like We need to look and see, okay, well, this is something that's going to last X months. How can we move past that then? Exactly. And uh, yeah, I'm a believer that as an employer, I have a responsibility to look after my team and they have a right for me to look after them. So you don't employ people without, without a second thought. There's a huge responsibility that comes with it. Mm. And currently we've looked after our team. We've told basically everyone not to come to the premises for obvious reasons, but we maintain team Zoom meetings. Something that I'm enjoying at the moment is members of my staff via Zoom sewing masks for the NHS, which is a hugely good thing for them to do but it's keeping the interaction up yeah. basically we're looking to find ways of increasing our team's social interaction albeit remotely promoting their mental well-being because they're isolated at the moment so they do need that contact that's actually fabulous and yeah 100 percent like something we found internally in the team getting that social contact is so important and obviously like a big round of applause to the guys in your team who are making those masks the, every, everything helps at this point it does. The social interaction side of it, you've got a, a group of people that are so used to seeing each other almost every day, and now they're still having that interaction, albeit vicariously. Mm. So I think, whereas it, I'm thrilled that that's what they're doing, it could be anything. You know, it could be cooking classes, noughts and crosses, just that interaction. Yeah, massively. And it, it just gives you something to do with your day. Do with your day. And I think for keeping everybody's mental spirits up, it's really, really important to have something to do. I think it's all too easy to get sucked into 
a world of doing nothing at the moment. So having both projects, Absolutely. interacting with your colleagues is, is massive. I mean, I, I found um, there've been days where when I don't have to be on the uh, hotel floor at a certain time, actually getting up and out of bed is a bit of, well, okay, I could just sit here and play on my phone. It's, it's actually being a bit more disciplined and motivating yourself just that step more. And I think that's vital. In terms of your question about the future, I think, unarguably, the reality is we are in a period of change. And of course, we're going to bounce back with a third largest industry in the country we are vital to the country's economic recovery so there's no question that we won't bounce back i think we might be a little cautious while we judge our customers mood but i do think we're going to adapt to this post-isolation market or new normal or whichever term you want to to use now, people by and large are naturally sociable and we've built an industry around that and isolating i think goes against our instincts and this is something that i've said to a lot of people a lot of times on radio interviews or podcasts such as this and i really do believe it i think there's going to be a rise in home working i think the habit of getting up getting changed getting in the car has been broken i don't think it will be mended anytime soon but i think when we come out of lockdown we're going to want the interaction again we're going to want the experiences again and i think we will come back yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. I, I think that I think especially just being locked in for so long, people are going to Absolutely. be craving that that social interaction. They'll be kind of craving going to to places, even if it is just with domestic travel within the country. Mm. Just going to the seaside and stuff like that will be such a, a such a big thing. Which is great when you um, run a seaside hotel. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and I guess sort of just looking a bit further back now. Are there any events that you think hotels in general need to be wary of? And if there are any particular sort of measures hotels should have in place, and not to talk about pandemics here, but we've seen, although I think the hotel industry as a whole, the hospitality industry has dealt with it very well, do you think that there are other measures we should have in place? And do you think we should be proactive in in making sure that next time something happens, whether it's a pandemic or not, we're able to cope with that better? Absolutely. And I mean, as I said earlier, this situation, we've not seen this in our generation. This is completely uncharted territory and we are doing the best we can. For our business, as an example, though, in the lead up to this, we saw dramatic drop off in short leading time booking. So last minute breaks away or non-essential stays, as example, a conference booker staying in the hotel the night before the conference. And I suspect people will need to build a bit more confidence up before we see a return of that market. I think people are still going to have that thought in their head about, is it essential that I make that trip? Is it essential that I go and stay away? I think we're going to see a rise in keyless check-in, check-out, paperless billing, limited interaction. Certainly people will limit interaction whilst they regain confidence in uh, social crowded situations. I think that's something that we're going to need to think about. Ultimately, Though I think we need to be aware that when we come out of this, the world is going to be different. I think people are going to find crowded spaces potentially less socially acceptable than they did before. In my business, we've got 10,000 square feet of conference and banqueting space. And I don't think that market will be coming back, certainly in the way it was for a while yet. And at the moment, we're practically looking at how we can manage that. So in terms of our restaurants and bars, we're reducing the number of tables. We're increasing the distances in our offices between co-workers. And I think, whereas we say, and I do make the case that people, when they come out of isolation, will want that interaction. I think that interaction might be from slightly further away distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see the logic there. I, I think, again, I'm very much inclined to agree that I do think people will want that interaction, but people will be wary. People are worried about mm. their families, their loved ones, and err on the side of caution, I think. 
So absolutely. I found, I was thinking about your podcast and uh, an idea came into my mind the other day whereby I was talking to someone, it was a neighbour of mine, and I hadn't seen him for a while. And when we were talking, this was just a couple of days ago, we were both maintaining this three metre distance. And I think it's now because it's become ingrained. And I think that's going to be a habit that needs to be broken. But I think sitting in a crowded restaurant with another table uh, half a metre away from you is something that people won't necessarily enjoy doing, certainly in the short term. No, 100%. Um, you sort of lightly touched on it there, but do you think there are any like specific tech areas you think that hotels can now incorporate and will be sort of really fundamental in reopening and moving forwards? Well, as I say, I think there'll be a rise in uh, killers, check-ins, check-out moving forward. I think there'll be a big focus on hygiene and sanitary conditions. Certainly, I've seen a rise online in devices to show if you've washed your hands properly, devices to show if the room is of a certain level of hygiene. I think it's called a dust meter. And I think people will want to see the visibility of cleanliness. Something we talked about here was bringing in drone hoovers. So people could see in the background corridors being hoovered remotely, rooms being hoovered, etc., just to give people a peace of mind. And I think there's some wonderful technical devices out there that will help us do that. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that you very much went down the, the harder aspect there. Do you think that robotics in general has like a, a real place to play within hotels? Obviously, I, I realise that robotics means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But sort sure. of those, those rumbers of your world, your automated hoovers, do you think that's really got a, a big role to play? I think in terms of if the question is, would we have a smaller housekeeping team in, in place of robot hoovers and the like? I don't think uh, the answer to that is yes. I think as an added level of peace of mind, there's a place for it. I think people like interaction. So you don't come into a restaurant to be served by a robot waiter. You come into a restaurant to have the whole experience. So that's the ambience, the location, the food quality, and the back and forth with the the waiting staff. And that's not something you get with an automated system. I think there is a place for it. So we see recently McDonald's and other fast food firms reopening their takeaways, but they're automated. So you will order your food from an app, you will come to a hatch and you will receive it and you will have incredibly limited human interaction there. And I think in that part of the market, I think that's absolutely right. In terms of coming to a three, four, five star hotel, I think the expectation is markedly different. Yeah, that, that's really interesting because that leads me on very much to my next question, which there obviously needs to be a balance of tech and touch points. As you <laughs> said, like three, four, five star hotels, that human interaction is so key in making the guest experience memorable and making it meaningful. And so how, how do you think we can balance that? I think there's always going to be demand for labour-saving devices. And I think as long as they are in the box of labour-saving devices, that's useful. As example, I've got a digital assistant at home and I'm finding I'm using it more and more and more because it's become part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, however good that is and however useful it is, it doesn't remove the human interaction. So I can order my shopping by talking to my digital assistant, but I can still have interaction with the person that delivers it, or I can still have interaction if I go out myself. Certainly having the whole process automated, and I'm just using that as a daily example, I think you'd find your life incredibly isolated. And at the moment, people are feeling isolated. So moving into a future where that isolation will only grow, I don't think is something that would be incredibly well received. Mm -hmm. No, I'm inclined to agree. So do you think then that perhaps 
well, at least for, for hotels that look to be more forward looking in terms of tech, they should be looking at tech that allows them to sort of maximize the meaningful interactions and reduce the impact of sort of staff working on behind the scenes work. Absolutely. I mean, if you keep in mind that advancements don't replace the human factor, I don't think you'll go far wrong. But if you use social media as an example, we have um, someone on our social media at the moment and they are posting throwback pictures to when we're open. They're posting content that means the consumer has to interact with them and that will hopefully retain our brand in people's memories. So we're taking that advancement, social media, and we're using it to push forward our human interaction. And I think it's got its uses, but it should never be anything more than a tool. Yeah, I, I think that's really, really important. I think it's about using tech as your toolkit, so to speak. But you're the, the technician in this case, the, the hotelier Absolutely. is still very much the person using it. In more general, is there any bits of tech you've seen that got you particularly excited within, within the, the hotel industry? Yeah, and something I saw at the hotel and restaurant show earlier in the year was a variation on digital assistant, and that allowed a guest that would come into the hotel and a returning guest to basically set his own preferences. So you could say, you like a wake-up call at this time, you like such and such in your minibar, you like this particular brand of coffee in um, your in-tray when you arrive, and it personalised the experience, and I think that was fantastic. Whereas a lot of hotels look to personalise experiences for guests, this was the guest being proactive and loading it himself. Yeah, it was like a, like a home away from home feel. I thought it was um, incredibly uh, clever. Yeah, I really like the idea of uh, if I have to go to a particular hotel for conferences a lot, just being able to know that the stuff I actually will use is there. And I guess from the hotel mm. perspective, in terms of the minibar and stuff like that, it means you can increase the likelihood of a sale from there if you know what the guest wants. Exactly. And the person that knows the guest the best is the guest. And we can all have, and we do have, some incredibly clever systems in place to surprise, anticipate our guest needs. But the guest knows best. So let them come in, say what they want, and then I think um, you're increasing the, the factor of a comfort of stay. You're increasing the retention because they want to come back and enjoy that again. Plus, you're driving sales because you're only filling your hotel room up with things that the customer will want to buy. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, that's a really nice model there. And I think going forward, see if that could come to more hotels, I, at least personally, and I think generally would love that. Uh, another piece of equipment that pre-lockdown we were actually trialling was from a charity. And this was basically a system that gave an audio description of a hotel room. So you'd be walking around a suite and it would be telling you where you can find things, almost like an access statement. And I thought that was fantastic. So that was something that hopefully we might have rolled out by now. We'll certainly be in the process of rolling out. And definitely when we reopen, we'll be picking that one up. That's really exciting. I think, yeah, definitely tech has a big role to play in the accessibility side of things. So yeah, 100%. And that's, that's really, really cool to hear. And sort of just on focusing a bit on the guest aspect of it, like, are there any sort of guest trends that you've seen pre-COVID? And do you think they're going to have major changes afterwards? Like, in that like, are we moving towards certain type of stays as opposed to other types of stays? I think certainly as I said earlier as people almost look to build their confidence again we will see what might be non-essential travel decreasing so last minute getaway spontaneous booking I think people will just be a little bit more concerned about where they go I certainly think people will be looking into areas so I think if you've had an area that's publicised a higher rate of contraction of the virus, people might be a bit less inclined to go there as a weekend getaway for the time mm -hmm. being. And I think that's just 
well, a harsh reality that we're going to have to work with. But really, I think people's confidence needs to be built up. And the only way we will do that is through time and safe systems of operation for guests coming back into our businesses. 100%. And it's fair, it's nothing I've really thought about. But yeah, I can, clear, I can see that having guests who are actually checking out the areas for their infection rate, especially to track and trace the application before the government starts to spread, that could actually yeah. be a, a really interesting impact on, on the hospitality industry in general as things start to reopen, hopefully from July. And I think that's something that we're going to see a rise of, and it will be a decision maker in people when they decide where they're going to go. Something that we've been seeing quite prolifically over the last couple of years was a move towards sustainability in green hotels and I think given that every day you turn on the news and they're talking about less ozone pollution less air pollution etc I think that move is going to escalate I think that's going to escalate quite dramatically because the world has essentially had a hard pause and I think the benefits of that are going to be things that certainly our generation future generations are going to want to capitalize on. 100% and sort of just drilling down into that a little bit like how much responsibility do you take on as a general manager in sort of making your hotel as as green as possible and sustainable as possible? As a team effort with my department heads and the other members of staff we push this at every turn we need sustainability we need green hotels we have recycling points in all of our rooms we have all products are recycled we don't use any form of single serve plastic or anything like that we were in a process at the time of moving towards as close to a paperless operation as possible so we were about to make a purchase of tablets which would remove the need for paper function packs or you know daily documentation Mm -hmm. so I think it's an ever-evolving situation in terms of sustainability but it's something that most businesses irrespective of them being hospitality or anything else are well and truly behind so I think it's becoming socially less acceptable to use single service plastic cups straws overuse of paper and I think really that's the way the world's heading I think that's a fantastic thing. 100% 100% I couldn't agree with that I think it's every business has their own responsibility to make sure they are acting in as clean and green way as possible it's really great to hear that it's coming from your management team as well and just sort of moving along a bit more towards the end like for the less experienced and accoladed sort of general managers or hoteliers in general listening out there do you have any particular methods for coping with stress especially in times times like these yeah, well, I will say the the weeks leading up to the March 20th closure of hospitality businesses were certainly amongst the most stressful in my career and for a great many other people. The advice I would give, and I would give this to anyone irrespective of the industry that you work in, is don't take the world on your own shoulders. There's no one, no GM, no department head, anyone that can do everything if you're stressed or you're challenged and you can't find a way through you talk to your people and if you look at your team they're diverse they have a every single one has a different background a different belief system a different way of looking at the world and they will see things differently to you so share the load with them and every time they will guide you through and it's true of my business and I think it would be true of uh, anyone's who adopted that yeah, I completely agree. I think working with the people with you is so important to, to get yeah. with through times like these and not necessarily just at work, but with your family, with your friends. I think drawing on your network right now is absolutely key. It really is. And I think anyone who thinks they're an island and they can solve every problem themselves is going to be enormously stressed and enormously disappointed. I think we've all got a great network. We have family, friends, brilliant teams. Use these people. 
Yeah, 100%. And I guess then, I you know you sort of gave away one point there, so we might limit this to two, but what would be your three key points of advice to, to any hospitality business, not necessarily just during COVID, but just, just in general? So it's people. It's number one, your team. Number two, your customers. Number three, your market. Always work with the people. Everything else will fall in line. It's people, first, second and last. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Robert. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I, I really hope your, your reopening, whether it's in July or later, goes amazingly. And we, we see you up and running. Uh, thank you very, soon. very much. Yeah, so thank you for coming and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of your Next Generation Hotel podcast. If you have any feedback or comments, please feel free to contact me or Mark Abraham on LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter. Or you can contact me by email at joe at exploreshackle.com. Have a great day. Stay safe.